0: Hi everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Financial Flux with Lex. Today's episode is another addition to the homeownership series. Our special guest today is Philadelphia real estate agent Brett Kazatsky. He's been in the industry for about four years now and recently opened up his own shop, Philly Home Goals, under the Keller Williams Agency. We talk about private mortgage insurance, how much you should put down on a house, and if being a lifelong renter really is a bad thing. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Happy Tuesday, and let's get into today's episode.
1: My name is Brett Kazatsky. I'm a real estate agent with Keller Williams in Philadelphia. Um, I've been in real estate for about four years, uh, and just recently I opened up my own shop. At, I'm going under the name of Lee Home Goals.
0: That's awesome. So... How did you get into the world of real estate? Is that, was that something you were like always passionate about?
1: So it was not something I was ever really interested in much. I was in nightlife prior and enjoying that, but certainly doesn't leave a whole lot of work to do during the week. And I felt like I was uh, needing a bit more of a challenge and something a little bit more entrepreneurial. Uh, so I just kind of was researching different fields and somehow ended up signing up for my real estate exam.
0: That's that's pretty cool. When starting the search for a home, what are the necessary pieces that every first-time buyer should have in place?
1: So that's a great question. The number one thing is a pre-approval. And what a pre-approval is, is essentially speaking with a mortgage lender that's ultimately going to give you a loan for the house. They're going to ask you a bunch of basic questions, and eventually they're going to spit out uh, what they believe to be your top-line budget for a home, or essentially what they're willing to lend you based on your own personal finances. That pre-approval will come in the form of an actual letter that they'll email to you, and that letter is sort of your key to both knowing what your budget is, where you may lo- be looking for a home, uh, but most importantly, you'll need that pre-approval to eventually go uh, check out homes in person.
0: Gotcha. And for the pre-approval, do you have to, once um you get that, that budget, do you have to spend all of it or can you spend below that?
1: So you can absolutely spend below that. That number is basically the maximum amount that the mortgage lender is willing to lend to you. Uh, and that, you know, certainly they're keeping in mind that they don't want to leave you cash for after. So it's not a number that reflects all of the money you have and all the money you make, but it's sort of a number, uh, keeping in mind living expenses that they will lend up to, but certainly, Uh, Some of my clients would prefer to keep their monthly payment down or prefer to have their down payment a little lower, so they choose to uh, go with the budget a little bit lower than what they've been approved
0: for. Are there any, um, like, deals or breaks or programs or anything like that that first-time home buyers should know about?
1: In the city of Philadelphia, which is where I do uh, a little more than half of my business, is there's a $10,000 grant that is available to first-time home buyers. The important thing to remember for that grant is that it is only for lower income individuals. I believe the combined household income has to be at around 75,000 or less to qualify for this grant. So some first time home qualify for this grant. My buyers that don't, the important thing to remember as a first time home buyers that you are not required to put 20% down on a home. That's sort of a relatively new thing. When, when my parents purchased the house for the first time, they were required to put 20% down but since then, they, the government has instituted different programs that will allow mortgage lenders to let first-time home buyers really put as low as 3% down for a down payment on a house. Uh, so that's the biggest incentive my first-time homebuyer clients have financially. Let's
0: just say I've saved up like 20% um, to put down on a house, right? Is it better for me to like put that entire 20% down or does it make sense to put less than that? Because I've I've always heard that too in regards to home buying that like, oh, you need to have at least 20% to put down.
1: So 20% is definitely a magic number when it comes to mortgages. When you buy a home and put less than 20% down, you're gonna be charged what's called PMI. Essentially it's mortgage insurance. So if you remember when I said, Uh, That you didn't used to be able to put less than 20% down on a house. The kind of catch to putting less than 20% down is that the government is going to back your loan, and that backing of the government costs you could really be anywhere between 100 or 200 dollars a month in what's called PMI. So, for example, if I put down 5% on a house as opposed to that 20, I'm going to have this increased PMI charge every month in my loan until I eventually reach that 20% equity, meaning I've now paid off that 20%, uh, at which time the PMI falls off and goes away. So to answer your question, the 20% is definitely a magic number. And all things equal, if you can afford to put 20% down on a house, definitely do it. In the grand scheme of things, if you can afford to put down 100% on a house and not get a loan at all, certainly that's best-case scenario. So the more you put down, the less interest you'll pay over time. 20% 20% certainly being that magic number, but many of my first time home find programs at 3 or 5% down that, that do work for
0: them. I want to know what is like the biggest misconception about millennials and homeownership? Like, what's the biggest misconception to you?
1: I would say it's exactly what you said that most first time home buyers believe you need a lot more money to put down than you actually think. And I believe a lot of that just comes from our parents having actually needed more money than you do today. Um, so I think. Renters often believe that you know until they have this big 20% windfall of money They can put down that they shouldn't even think about buying a house when in fact not only can they put Significantly less than 20% down. They're likely already paying a mortgage. It's not their mortgage. Certainly. It's their landlord's mortgage Uh, But from a monthly payment standpoint, we can also get people in homes that are are pretty similar to what they're already paying in a monthly fee Mm-hmm. So I, I say that biggest misconception is uh, regarding the down payment. Of people think you may need a lot more money than they actually do.
0: And so I love that you meant that you like brought in renters into the conversation because that ties in perfectly with my next question. So is there really anything quote unquote wrong with being like, let's say a lifelong renter? Because I know there are some people who look at home ownership as kind of almost like a burden. They're like, what's the point? Like if something breaks, I have to fix it. Everything is all on me. Whereas opposed to renting, it's like something breaks, something goes wrong. I don't have to deal with it. I can just, you know, call my landlord, call the maintenance people, and then they can come fix it.
1: So to answer your initial question, is there anything wrong with being a lifelong renter? Absolutely not. I think everyone's situation is different. My job as a real estate agent is just to facilitate people's goals, not to sell them anything. So I, I don't try to sell home to people that, that aren't interested in it. And there's certainly nothing wrong with being a lifelong renter if that works best for your, your lifestyle uh, or your personal finances. From a financial standpoint, renting versus owning is basically the equivalent of, uh, you know, opening up a savings account and watching your money increase or sticking it under your mattress and waking up every morning hoping it would multiply. So, you know, buying a home is, is literally an investment. And if you rent a home, let's say for 30 years, and you, you're in either the same place or multiple places for 30 years, at the end of those 30 years, you don't have anything to show for financially. You've paid someone else's mortgage or a portion of their mortgage for 30 years. And at the end of the 30 years, you have nothing. All you've done is, is lost the money that you paid in rent each month. When you buy a home for 30 years and you're paying your mortgage each month, at the end of those 30 years, now own a home free and clear that's a major asset worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that you can now sell or rent out or even just hold on to as an asset so i really consider it the difference between investing your money or just kind of keeping it in your house for safekeeping. um again that doesn't mean owning a home is for everyone but from a financial standpoint i think that helps explain how you know certainly over a long period of time you're you're gaining an asset as opposed to paying someone else's mortgage every month.
0: Yeah, definitely. Why are houses like still considered to be an investment if we've seen that, like, you know, sometimes it goes wrong and you don't recoup all of your money that you've put in?
1: Sure. So the housing market crashed in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, and it certainly had crashed before then, and it will certainly crash again after that. The housing market in general is very cyclical. So you'll see the market go up and reach its peak, where people are paying top dollar for homes. Interest rates are super low, lots of buyers, lots of people want to buy houses. And then you'll see the market take a different turn uh, to the point where interest rates go up. People are are less likely to be able to get pre-approved for a loan. And people who own homes that maybe were at the top of their budget at that time can no longer afford to make their monthly payments.
0: Mm. It's
1: important to remember Two things. One, that real estate is cyclical and that you'll need to prepare yourself for external market uh, things such as the market, you know, for the financial housing crash. um, But also that over time, real estate appreciates. And what I mean by that is your parents may have bought a house in 2000, and even despite the fact that they went through 2008 and 2009, the market has already peaked again and it's been appreciating that entire time. So they've been able to withstand that crash, um, and they've now seen their home be worth a lot more than what they paid for. If Mm -hmm. you look at, you know, what our parents and grandparents paid for homes versus what they're worth now in the same exact area, you kind of get the full macro scope of why real estate is is one of the most safe investments that exist, even though there are times where the market does fluctuate.
0: A lot of people feel like they can't afford a home because, you know, student loan debt and other debts are kind of like weighing them down um so do you have to be debt free in order to own a home or, or is it better to like um pay off your student loans first and then consider buying a home like what are your thoughts on that
1: so the two things that are most important when go buy a home are your credit score which people generally have an idea of how that works or your um, loan to income ratio so no, you definitely do not need to wait to become debt-free. In fact, the mortgage owners are expecting you to have some sort of level of debt, and what they're going to do is figure out, based on your income, how much debt you can afford to pay every month, and then they're going to look at how much debt you're currently paying every month and the difference between how much money they feel like you can afford to pay every month and the difference between what you're already paying is sort of that window they feel like you could slip a mortgage into, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Student loan debt in particular, it's been explained to me that it's sort of the best type of debt to have for a buyer. If you can imagine, obviously everybody has student loan debt, so if it were impossible to get a home with student loan debt, basically the housing market would be in a freeze right now um, and nobody would be able to qualify for their first home. So lenders are obviously aware that people have their student loan, and if anything, it can really be a benefit if you've had a decent amount of student loan for some time and then have been paying these payments off on time every month that can help boost your credit history, but certainly it does not disqualify you whatsoever from getting a mortgage.
0: What state is is the housing market in right now? So are we peaking? Are we kind of plateauing?
1: So let me preface this by I am not an economist, so most of the things I'm going to answer your question with are things that people way smarter than me have told me, but (laughs) we are essentially a little bit past our peak. We've sort of hit that crest, um, the market is is super super hot right now. The interest rates are still extremely low, and the history of the housing market certainly does tell us that there's only one direction for things to go right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: again, people smarter than me are anticipating the market uh, to definitely take a downturn over the next, I believe, two or three years. Mm-hmm. And it'll be important for home buyers now and then to remember that things are cyclical. You can plan for. These types of turns when you have these conversations with your mortgage lenders and your real estate agent, um, but it's it seems to me like we've certainly been in this peak for a little while now, and and are likely going to crash down a bit. As we
0: as as we wrap up this conversation, um, I have two more questions to ask you. Um, the first one would be, what is one thing that every home buyer should know?
1: I think every home buyer should know that it is free to use a real estate agent and there is absolutely no reason for a home buyer to not contact a real estate agent as early in the process as they even have the idea to buy a house, to start coming up with a game plan, having conversations about down payments and loans, um, and mapping out really a timeline for when pre approval should occur and all those things. So that's my biggest piece of advice is Find a real estate agent that has some experience that you trust and map out the process with them as early as possible.
0: Oh, wow. I had no idea that using a real estate agent is like free. I thought you had to pay them first. Huh. You learned something new? Yeah,
1: my commission as a buyer's agent actually gets paid by the seller of the home. So the seller of the home pays the commission of both their agent, the seller's agent, and my commission, the buyer's agent, and my services are free to my buyers.
0: Oh, wow. Huh. That's so cool. How can people get in contact with you, reach you for further help with finding their next home?
1: So if you want to get in contact with me directly, the best way is through email. And my email is phillyhomegoals at gmail.com. If you just like looking at pretty pictures of houses and want to see what's going on locally and in the real estate market, the best way is to connect with us on Instagram, and that's just at phillyhomegoals.